Hello? Hey. Hey, Lance. How you doing? I'm doing good. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, I guess I'll get started. Uh, this is Dave Sims, Paul Chappelle, whichever one you really know me as. Uh, this is a PBR talk. It's kind of turning into, I guess, uh, talking with uh, bull owners. Um, right now, I have Lance. Um, Lance, you want to kind of um, basically just say what you do and um, 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 how you kind of add to the uh, game and um, um, all that type of stuff. Well, this is Lance Floyd. We, we're based out of Kearney, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm a full-time fire paramedic uh, with the Edmond Fire Department in Edmond, Oklahoma. And we, uh, my wife and I and my two children, Lane and Aubrey, we own and operate land and cattle company, uh, raising uh, ABVI American Buck and Bull bred cattle. And we also own and operate a business called Bucking Bull Pro LLC. It's a uh, company that um, my wife and I started that uh, we, we uh, repair bucking dummies of all different brands. And of course, we build our own brand of bucking dummy and, and sell bull flanks and all the parts for uh, pretty much every bucking dummy that's ever 20 years or so. We've, we've, we, uh, we work on them and have the parts available to repair them. Okay, and um, okay, um, I guess kind of the cool part about you and your um, uh, dummies is that they're used at basically every single event for yearlings up to two-year-olds and then some at the um, uh, uh, derbies and, and um, uh, all that type of stuff. Uh, how many would you say... Um, I guess, well, you've been doing this for a long time, but uh, how many dummies would you say that you've, um, I guess, sold to uh, events and all that type of stuff? Well, um, as far as the events go, uh, we, we supply dummies to Border Town Casino, uh, the ABVI, um, the Western States out in, uh, out in the Western part of the country. Um, uh, High Desert Bucking Bull Association out in the West Bucking Bulls, uh, ABBI Australia, uh, <clears throat> a lot of organizations uh, use our dummies. And, and uh, as far as I, this week, I think it is, I think, well, uh, last week I sent out dummy number 2000 uh, mm. with serial number 2000 on it. So over the last, I think we started really started building them in about 2011. And, um, uh, Casey Thomason and Jason Miller kind of have a battle over. I can't remember which one of those had the very first one, but one of those two bought the very first one, that serial number, serial number one. Um, and uh, since then, we've built just about built and shipped out about two thousand of them so far. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's where uh, we're I guess at now. I, uh, well, for me as a uh, bull guy who you know likes to watch the bulls, bull of yours that uh, I really like is uh, five hundred. Um, what's, I guess, for people who don't know about that bull, what's, um, I guess, um, uh, his backstory? Uh, it's kind of funny. He, so he was born uh, early January 2015. And I had the, this is a funny story a lot of people don't know, but I had the idea. We were getting a little bit bigger. We, we still weren't very big. As, you know, I mean big. I mean uh, the number of cows we had. Um, but uh, we were up to like 20 cows at that point, maybe something like that. And, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to start uh, ear tagging these calves as they're born. 
so I can tell them apart because some of them were starting to look a lot alike and I'd have a lot of solid red calves and, and when I went to register them, I'd put the wrong dam down uh, as the dam because two of them, two red calves look just alike, you know. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start ear tagging these calves when they're born. So um, I had all my rich ear tags made uh, with their numbers already engraved in them and everything. So, so the first calf of 2015 is born. And I, the way I number my calves is the first calf of the year is number five or starts with five zero zero. Or if it's like this year, the first calf of the year was not is nine zero zero nine being 2019 and zero zero, just the very first calf of the year. So, uh, 500 was the first calf born. So I see this, uh, this cow's had a calf in the pasture and I go out there, I got my, my, my ear tagging gun, my ear tagger and my ear tag ready to go. And, and uh, <clears throat> I grab a hold of this calf and get just get ready to put the ear tag in his ear. And he jumps up and he takes off running and goes right through the fence. And there's really tall um, grass, dead grass there on the on the on the, the, the side of the road where where this calf went. And I drive up and down there. I'm looking for this calf. I'm looking for him. I can't find him. He's I cannot find this calf. And I thought, well, maybe he went completely across the road over the neighbor's pasture. I don't know where he's at. So. I get off my Polaris Ranger and I start walking through this, this dead dry grass. And finally I find him. He's, he's already laid down. He's balled up in a, a patch of a thicket of, uh, uh, blackberries. And I reach down and get ready to put a ear tag in his ear. And he jumps up, says, man, takes off running, jumps back through the fence and goes back to his mama. And that was the end of trying to tag <laughs> calves when they were born. So, um, but uh, so anyway, he didn't have getting ear tag put in his ear till I weaned him later that fall. But uh, his his sire is a bull called No Guts. Uh, no Guts was a bull uh, Don Kish raised. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but there was two of those bulls. There was one called No Guts and one called No Glory. So you know, a lot of people think that No Guts comes from like he had no heart, he wasn't any good. Well, it actually comes from the Dodge, the Dodge uh, uh, truck, the Dodge Ram uh, uh, sponsorship program and so he had a dodges um uh their tagline at that time this was back in 2004 five six whatever it was no glut no guts no glory uh, and so don kish had one called no guts and he had one not, called not called non-glory or no glory i actually owned both of them at one time and bred with, bred with them both but <clears throat> no guts was a um uh, a son of uh, a bull called lock and load and Lock and Load was a Top Gun daughter, a lot of, or Top Gun's son. A lot of people know Top Gun. Uh, he's famous for being Smooth Move sire. And a lot of people know uh, from talking to H.D. Page and seeing the interviews and stuff, but Page has got that Smooth Move bull to add some leap uh, into their program to get those bulls up off the ground because that's the way Smooth Move, he really bucked, got up off the ground. Well, No Guts is the same way, and he does, he does, he does the same thing for his calves. They really get up off the ground. Um, and, and, uh, um, uh, I'm legit two is actually double bred, um, top gun, uh, both on the top side, his, his great grandsire is top gun. And then his, his, uh, no guts, his mother was a top gun cow. So, uh, he's got double bred top gun and on the top side is pedigree with a, a two legit cow up there as well. And then on the bottom, he's out of a Kish 443, which is a Mr. Juicy cow. And she, uh, Mr. Juicy, of course, is a, is a too legit uh, daughter or too legit son. And so uh, that's where I'm legit too comes from because he's double bred. I'm legit. He's, he's double bred too legit. 
uh, too legit was of course a bull that came from Alex Nacarado that was, uh, um, I, they thought he was Oscar bred, which, it, you know, the DNA didn't pan out that he was Oscar bred, but surely there, you know, with him coming from Nacarado, there's a lot, plenty of Oscar blood running through two legit's veins, but, uh, so he's, uh, I'm legit too. He's double bred top gun and double bred, uh, too legit. That's, okay. that's, uh, um, that's my, his background. Uh... So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, know that was, I know that was a really long story to tell you a, a pedigree, but it's all but, good. Uh, um, that's, so, that's how friend, so. Um, I know that now he's a uh, in the classic four-year-old. Um, uh, I know that last year he was also in the classic as a three-year-old. Um, I guess for you, um, what kind of has you kind of pick and choose if you want to enter him in the classic or you know put him in the derby and um, uh, all that type of stuff. Well, so so last year, um, uh, mainly at Bordertown, uh, we didn't start taking taking 500 to Derby events until uh, I want to say maybe May or even June, something like that. And part of it was because I bred with him, and part of it was because I was wanting him to grow, you know, get get some size on him uh, before we started putting a rider on him. Um, but last year uh, at Bordertown and even the ABBI events, they would allow you to double enter. So you could enter the, the Derby and pay another entry fee for the Classic and double enter. And so we've got, I don't know, we've got three or four buckles in there, uh, Derby and Classic buckles that he, you know, he won the Derby and Classic at Bordertown yeah. you know, on the same night because he was double entered. So la- last year you didn't, ha- you didn't have to make a choice. You, you could double enter him. You could just enter him in both and, you know, pay double entry fees and, um, which you know that was great. It really it really helped us and it helped his earnings a lot. He he won a lot of money being able to double enter like that. But when it came time, you know, for the finals, uh, ABBI finals, you know, we could have entered him in the Derby, um, which was uh, uh, the Derby in Vegas is is uh, part of that uh, Velocity Finals uh, there at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And uh, yeah, it's a, I mean it's it's an honor. You know, I, th- I think. I'm not, I can't remember if the Derby, you had to qualify or if you could just enter, but the Derby is not, you know, not quite as prestigious as obviously the, the classic is when they get to go buck at the PBR finals in the Thomas or in the, uh, in the uh, T-Mobile arena there in Vegas. So uh, I just felt like, you know, he had the size and, and, and had the intensity and everything to, to compete there. And uh, after that first night, you know, in Vegas as a three-year-old, um, the PBR judges had him, I think, 44 and a half. He was one of the top bulls out in that first round of the PBR finals. Um, you know, bucked his rider off really quick and got way up off the ground and looked really good. And um, uh, scored, scored pretty well. One, one of the judges, I think, had him 21 and a quarter. The other judges all had him in the 22 areas, um, which, but put us down, you know, 9-10 nine, nine, in, uh, in the standings and kind of took us out of it after that first night. But uh, – but as far as choosing Derby Classic back then, it didn't matter. You know, last year you could enter them in both, and you didn't have to move them up or down. They were they were able to enter both. And 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 now, you know, if I think if if I had to choose as a three year old, you know, uh, just depending on the size and kind of what he's competing against, that would that would have to be your your determining factor whether whether you're going with the Derby or Classic in today's in today's rules where you have to choose one or the other. I think. I think you'd have to look at the size of your bull and the competition to decide whether, you know, where you're going to buck it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, this, uh, this, this year, time. I know, I want to say he's been out. How many times has he uh, bucked this year? 
Uh, you know, I don't even know for sure. Um, we've, we've held him back a little bit because, again, we've had him on cows a little bit. Um, but he, I don't know. He's, we were at Oklahoma City. Uh, the, the, his first three or four events we went to, we got a check. Uh, uh, Cowtown Classic, Oklahoma City, PBR. Um, I can't remember what all, but he's been to, he went to Wichita, the Wichita PBR um, and Bordertown probably, probably three or four. No, we've been to Bordertown eight times because I think eight times is the, to qualify for the Bordertown finals. You have to go eight times. And Taylor texted me last time I entered and said, we have entered eight times. So we're qualified for the finals. So uh, this weekend, this, the 20th will be his ninth out uh, at Bordertown this year. And it'll be his, uh, so that would be his probably 12th or 13th out for the year this year, 13th or 14th out this yeah, year. Yeah. So, uh, so been out, Something like that. Pretty, pretty much um, once a well, more like twice a month. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, we're yeah. just now yeah. um, in kind of the midpoint of July. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, calves, you know, uh, heifers and the bulls out of uh, your bull. Um, I guess um, when are your plans to, um, uh, you know, start to put them, you know, um, get them kind of practicing at home so that then you know in the yearling or even you know two-year-old year you can start entering calves to events i know you don't really enter your um i guess smaller bulls in events but um for these calves if you um uh would enter them i mean i guess what type of time do you kind of train them to get ready for events What what we do is, and it, it really the reason we do it this way. I think a lot of people do it earlier than we do, but it's it's kind of due to time constraints. But uh, and, and the fact that you know uh, my wife works a full time job, and of course I'm, I work twenty four on twenty four off at the fire station. So we don't wean until I get back from the the PBR finals. So I don't wean my calves until November because I want to be home and be able to keep an eye on them and not have to have you know other people come over to feed them and check on them and things like that. So. We don't wean until after the PBR finals, so uh, sometime in November, I'll start weaning these calves, um, put them in a trap, and start feeding them, the heifers and bulls all together, and then, you know, the plan usually is sometime in December to uh, um, get those separated, get the bulls up, the young bulls up to the arena in the trap behind my arena, leave the heifers down, down closer to the house where we can keep an eye on them, and we start running those calves to the buck and shoot. We try to do it in December, but, you know, with Christmas and everything that goes on in December, it's really hard to, to get time to, to do anything. But we try to do it in December. Sometimes that's January. Sometimes it's February. You know, everybody's focus kind of has been to get something done with these calves before March because it used to be March 15th was the deadline to nominate these calves for the American Heritage. So you wanted to get them ready and get them, you know, get at least three, four, five trips on them by March 15th to figure out what you're going to nominate for that her- heritage. Well, they've moved that back to – I think uh, uh, June 15th now, so it gives you a little bit more time to, to figure out what you're going to do uh, and which calves you're going to going to keep and play with. Uh, but but my goal is always to wean you know wean after I get back from the PBR files in November, try to get a trip or two on them by the end of the year, um, and you know let the cold part of the year go through and we don't have a covered you know indoor arena or anything, so everything's kind of done outside. So uh, hopefully get into uh, have some nice days in January, or February we can get some outs on them. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's a long process to, to see what you have. And even, even sometimes 
uh, you don't even see it come to fruition. Uh, I know you talked your, your last episode. You were talking to Court McCoy, and he was you were talking to him about that seven sixteen outlaw bull. Uh, that was a bull that was bred and raised here. Another another no gut son. Um, that was a late bloomer. He 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 really the first few times of bucking, he really got up off the ground. He had a couple of trips here at the house that were really good futurity type winning trips, but he was a pin pacer. He real nervous and just wouldn't settle down and and took him to a couple of events. Uh, and he I took him to Border Town. We took him down to uh, Jim McLean's event. This would have been in 2016 or sorry 2018. Really got up off the ground. A lot of people came to him and said, hey, what do you want for that calf? You know, because they could see the athletic ability in him. He just wasn't putting it together because he hadn't had a lot of trips on him. And, of course, Cord saw the saw – the, and, in fact, Cord was hauling him for me at the time. And Cord had some partners that wanted to buy him, and they ended up buying him from us. And like Cord said, that calf is just now kind of coming into his own. The last, you know, couple months, he's really started showing really well. And, and his, you know, it takes some of those calves a long time to – to uh, understand what their job is, and and uh, and and these no gut sons, a lot of them are that way. They, they I can almost tell you, almost 100% of these of these no guts bulls have bucked. Almost every one of them. I, I haven't hardly had any that just don't buck at all. But there just aren't a lot of them that just make the the type of calves that can go out there and be 90 points, which is what you got to be anymore. You know, mm-hmm. to, pretty much to pull a check. You know, um, but I've sold a lot of his sons for a lot of money. Uh, because they're just they're really good bulls. They get up off the ground. They look they're showy. They look good. They buck, um, but they just they, you know a lot, yeah. a lot of them just don't make futurity bulls. But uh, if a guy's willing to wait on them uh, and like you know like the work Cord does and puts in on those bulls, the kind of stuff I can't do. And I got to give Cord credit on I'm legit too because Cord saw him at the at the ABBI finals when he was a yearling. I entered him out there in that big finals out there, and he didn't have a great day there. But Cord came to me. Uh, right after he bucked and said, Hey, you know, what are you going to do with that calf? And, and I said, Well, I'm going to keep him and haul him as I can, you know. And of course, like I said, with my fire, firefighting job, and as much as I'm at the fire station and when I'm, when I'm not there, I'm in my shop uh, building dummies and repairing dummies. So I don't have a whole lot of free time. And so Cord and I kind of had an agreement. He, he hauled that bull uh, his entire two year old year and his whole three year old year. And is, and is going to more than likely get him, I'm going to see him back to Cord this year because. Uh, I'm having, I've been having to use too much of my vacation time from my, from my real job to, to take him places. And, and so, uh, Cord's just, you know, Cord does this for a living and he's got the time to spend to work these bulls and, and get the most out of a bull. Um, you know, just like Dennis, you know, you have, you have your bulls with Dennis, just like Dennis, Dennis has the time to spend, uh, the, you know, a lot of these bulls need time. They, they need time spent with them. And when you've got two full-time jobs, like I do, it's really hard to, to take that time out uh, from your customers, my dummy customers that are expecting things from me and, and not, and then my real job, you know, that I have to be at. So um, it, it takes a lot to, to keep these bulls in shape and, and to, to train them to, to do what they do. So I, I get my hats off the court. He, he, he took that bull, you know, for two years and won a ton of money with him, you know, for us. And, and, uh, and I truly do appreciate that because I couldn't have done what he did. I, there's no way I could have taken that bull all yeah. the places he took that bull for us. So, and, and he's doing the same thing mm-hmm. with seven sixteen that outlaw bull. He's he's show, you know we don't own him anymore, but of course every time that bull bucks, I got my my iPhone camera rolling and videoing him because uh, he he's really good. And we're we're proud to have raised him, raised that bull and proud to have raised yeah, his mother yeah. as well. Uh, I guess um you know uh, earlier we were talking about the dummies and stuff, but um, didn't we get to talk about um, how did you kind of 
get started into owning bulls because I know everybody has a um, their own path into you know getting full time well, not full time but at least you know getting into the bull business. So how did you guys? Yeah. So I rode bulls professionally in the PRCA for a number of years, and and you know towards the end of my riding career in the late nineties, um, the the rodeo stock registry had just started, and bodacious was a big deal, you know, and and in fact I've got here in my file cabinet the very first one of the very first catalogs that you could buy uh, bucking bull semen from, you know, like bodacious and whitewater skull and and a lot of those bulls, um, you could you could buy those straws to to AI cows with, you know, and and uh, of course, I was a broke rodeo cowboy. I, I, I was in the army and got out of the army and started started riding bulls professionally, and and um, uh, really wanted to start raising bulls back then in the late '90s. But I didn't have land. You know, I was a I was a 22, 23, 24 year old broke rodeo cowboy, and and uh, didn't have land or the money to even buy. I, I wish I wish knowing what I know now, I would have bought those whitewater skull straws that were that were two hundred fifty dollars a straw in that catalog. Um, but uh, I wanted to start back then. I just didn't have the opportunity. I didn't have the, the land or the money or anything. So uh, as time went on, uh, settled down, got married, uh, bought a house on some land, and, and you know, and, and, and still not, not having a lot of money, my first three heifers I bought uh, came from the sale barn. Uh, they were, they were kind of tiger-striped, you know, crossbred heifers. And, and uh, at that time, that's the early, you know, 2003, 2004, 2005, you couldn't hardly even find a rodeo bred heifer for less than, you know, a couple thousand dollars because they, they just, there wasn't a lot of people raising them. And, uh, and so I kind of started out with that sale barn stuff and would, would go to the sale barn, and, uh, you know, a wild, a wild looking cow would come through, look like a rodeo cow and I'd buy her. And nine times out of 10, uh, those cows wouldn't even breed. And the reason they were rodeo bred cows more than likely, but they'd been culled from someone's herd Either they didn't raise a bucking bull or they didn't breed. And that's kind of, I learned as I went, you know, that uh, the sale barn was not the best place to go buy, to go buy uh, cattle for, you know, for breeding purposes. And so uh, the, there used to be a magazine called uh, uh, Buckingstock Magazine, and there was an ad in there, and a guy down in Texas had some, some uh, heifers that were, were out of Kish's Winchester, and I'd always loved that Kish line. Uh, just, you know, a lot, lot to do with the whole Lane Frost story and, and Red Rock and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, uh, I would always want some of those kish, kish cows. And so this guy had some, some, uh, uh, some, kish, some Kish's Winchester daughters that were bred to a, a bull that was supposed to be an Oscar's Velvet son. And that's a whole other story. But it was a bull called A22, and they called him uh, Spitting Image he was a, because he was a Spitting Image of Oscar. Um, uh, or Oscar's Velvet. Anyway, and this guy had a whole setup. I think he had five of them that he was wanting to sell. And they were out of Terry Holland's cows. Terry Holland is a PBR, PRCA bull rider that is, a, is judged for years as well. But he had Terry Holland had a set of uh, crossbred tiger striped cows that guys were, would send their their bucking bulls to to breed these cows. They weren't they weren't bucking bred cows. They were just you know tiger striped cows. And guys would send their good they're good bucking bulls to him and breed the cows. And then they'd buy the bull calves from him. And, uh, uh, this guy had sent that Kish's Winchester to breed these cows. And these heifers were what came from that set of Terry Holland, uh, Brayford cows. And so he had a set of five of them for sale. And I think he wanted, uh, he was trying to sell the whole set. 
and I called him and I talked him into letting me buy one to, you know, drive down to Tyler, Texas and just buy one. So we drove down there and my wife and I, and, and, uh, picked one out of the herd and loaded her up and, and brought her home. And she was beating on that trailer the whole way home, trying to get out of the trailer, driving down the road and kind of thinking what in the world we've gotten ourselves into here. And, and, uh, anyway, her first calf born, you probably saw my post on Facebook today, but her first calf she ever had was, uh, a little red, red bull named, uh, mm-hmm. ended up naming him Winchester's image and, uh, ended up being the very first bull that we raised that, that went to the PBR, went to a PBR built for a tough event. And, uh, of course that bull's 14 years old now. He's born in 2005, but so that's how we got started. We paid, I think I paid 20, I think the guy was asking $2,500 a head for the whole set. And I think I talked him into selling me one for $2,500. He wanted, uh, so I get to pick out one for $2,500. So that's where we started. We started really with one rodeo bred cow. And technically she was half rodeo bred because her, her mother wasn't a, ro- a registered rodeo cow. But uh, we started with her. And then, you know, I was still kind of buying cheap half breeds and sale barn cattle and whatever. And then in 2008, whenever the economy kind of got really bad and a lot of people started getting out of the buck and bull business, I pretty much sold out everything I had except for that one winchester daughter and i started buying kish cows and that was in that was in 2008 2009 so really my breeding program as it is now started in 2009 you know to a real american bucking bull breeding program uh started yeah because uh, i know so. now you yeah because i know now you have a lot of uh, cows and bulls and uh, also cows out of um a lot of kish stuff um uh, i know Quite whenever I went to your uh, place, uh, you had a lot of uh, kish cows out there, crossing to um, um, you know, five hundred and you know, just all that type of stuff. Um, a calf that I, because for every kind of stock contractor, there's always this one calf that I really, really like, and you know, outside five hundred, it's a um, um smaller calf named Rocky. That's a um, um real nice, right there in the gate to the left kind of airy type bull. Um. But for you, I guess, um, uh, what are your plans? You like uh, going to try to take them to events, or just kind of just try to put size on them, or? Yeah, well, right now, uh, I took I took some of those yearlings and turn. I've got a pasture that I that I lease uh, that I turn those yearlings out on, let them grow. You know, I put a few trips on them and see how they are, and then turn them out and just let them grow a little bit through the summer because I I don't go to the I don't have time and. I just don't go to very many yearling events at all. In fact, I think this year I've taken one bull to one event. You know, I went to Jim's event and took one bull down there. But uh, um, uh, I just turned him and, and some of his brothers out uh, on a pasture to let him grow up. He He's like a lot of these bulls and a lot of my bulls. He's, he's been inconsistent. He's had two or three really good trips uh, where he would have won some money. And the rest of them, you know, the other three or four that he's had, he's gone out two or three before he's turned back. And so um, it's just one of those deals where he just needs to be bucked. And, and, and again, it's a time issue where I just don't have time to run those bulls in and buck them once a week like some of these guys do that, that do this for a living to, to speed up that, process, that learning process. You know, uh, some of these bulls, the more you buck them, the quicker they learn, the better they get. You know, they get better faster because you're, you're, you're bucking them more and they're learning their job quicker. Um, and, uh, but you know, when you just don't have time to, to run them through and to buck them, uh, in fact, I was just at my, my arena day feeding this morning and my arena's got 
not quite knee high grass in it, but it's got grass, you know, up uh, about calf high uh, growing in the arena. That's how, <laughs> that's how long it's been since I've bucked any bulls in my arena. So I got to get up there and get my arena straightened up and, and get it ready to, to, to start bucking some bulls in the evenings when it's, when it's cooling off. But uh, I'm just, I am really just so busy. And honestly, I, I feel guilty when I spend time out there at my arena bucking my bulls and not in my <laughs> shop building dummies for customers. And, and repairing dunnies for customers, it's hard for me to get up there to that arena. I, I mean, I enjoy, of course, I enjoy it so much, but it's just really hard to, to break away from from my job and go up there and and do what I need to do with those calves a lot of time. And and uh, I, I really need to just bite the bullet and send them to someone, send them to somebody that has the time to do it, and just pay someone to do it because I just I don't have I just really don't have the time. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. I wish I did, but I've kind of. It's funny because I, I started this business, the Bucking Bull Pro, Bucking Bull Pro business, uh, to help pay for, to offset the cost of feeding all these animals and, and, and keeping all these cattle around because uh, the cattle don't, don't really tend to pay for themselves. Um, and uh, and it's, this Bucking Bull Pro deal has turned into a full-time job. I mean, I could literally do this, you know, 12 hours a day, uh, five days a week uh, and be busy doing it. Uh, now I'm not saying I would make, I, I can't make a living doing it or else, you know, if I could, I'd, I'd, you know, if I could make a living do, just doing bucking dummies, I'd quit my full-time job maybe and, and do that. But there's not enough, there's not enough profit in it to, 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 uh, you know, to, to raise a family and pay a mortgage and, and all that, uh, uh, just building bucking dummies. So, so I keep on doing my, you know, being a firefighter and spraying <laughs> yeah. water on fire yeah. for a living, well, you know, uh... so. Thank you, Lance, for talking about, you know, how you got started and then, you know, your um, other job they do to help kind of, um, I guess, make this sport, you know, a little bit better in the um, uh, dummies you make for it. And then, you know, thanks for talking about, um, you know, your bulls and just the um, uh, whole uh, scope around, you know, how you got started and just all that. Yeah. Hey, and while, while I got you, I want to, I want to, uh, uh, I mentioned one of my, and I don't want to say it's not a sponsor, but it's an organization that I'm involved with called Warriors and Rodeo. Um, it's a it's a veterans organization, whether it's for veterans, firefighters, police, um, uh, active military, uh, EMTs. Uh, they're on Facebook. It's Warriors and Rodeo. The short War is the short, the the uh, abbreviated version of it. But uh, it's a it's a it's an organization, a nonprofit organization that's been put together uh, by Sherry Smith to uh, uh, help veterans who are coming back uh, from war, uh, from, you know, from Afghanistan, Iraq, and, 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 and I mean, that's the main purpose, but uh, to help give them a, a group of uh, like-minded individuals to, to bounce ideas off of and to talk to and, and to call at, you know, one o'clock in the morning when things aren't, you know, feeling so good and, and uh, those, those terrible thoughts start creeping into our veterans' minds. Um, uh, it's a, it's an organization I'm passionate about. I've been involved with it almost since the beginning, uh, donating, you know, uh, donating to help, help grow it. And, uh, if, if any of your listeners want to go look it up, it's, uh, I believe it's warriors and Uh, you can go in there and donate. Uh, um, they, uh, they, they try to help, uh, uh put these veterans together with, uh, with the equipment they need. Cause a lot of them are bull riders, ropers, uh, you know, they're, they're rodeo contestants that are also, that are, that, are, that are competing in rodeos and veterans. So I just want to give a shout-out to them. Uh, if you get a chance, stop by stop by their website and take a well, look. Thank at you, Lance. Thank rodeo. you. 
I, I, I will, uh, after this goes off, I'll definitely go and check that out. And then I'll tag that in the, um, uh, the post that I'll make, you know, for some, um, uh, episode and all, and, um, uh, all that stuff, Lance. So thank you for that. Yeah. Hey, no problem. And shameless plug. We got we to plug <laughs> buckingbullpro.com. Go to buckingbullpro.com for all your dummy needs, whether it's parts, service, uh, new dummies, uh, used dummies. We've, we've got it all. I've got piles of them sitting around here, uh, ready to go, uh, or not, not ready to go. They got, they got to be fixed, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, we got lots, lots of stuff, uh, uh, bull flanks of every, every type and color. Uh, anyway, uh, check it out on buckingbullpro.com. Well, thank you, Lance, for the, um, um, two, uh, things that, you know, you do, um, with that, um, uh, foundation that you're a part of, and then also with the dummies and, you know, that type of stuff. So um, thank you for hopping on and just uh, talking about, I guess, um, what you do and just that that whole entire deal. Sounds good, Dave. I appreciate your co- podcast, you. man. I enjoy listening to it. Keep it going. Thank you, too. Bye. Take care.